week three, the design for worship. I want to begin tonight in two seemingly obscure passages of Revelation. Revelation eleven nineteen says this. Then in heaven, the temple of God was opened, and the ark of his covenant could be seen inside the temple. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed, and roared, and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. In Revelation 15, 5, we see this. <clears throat> then I looked and saw that the temple in heaven, God's tabernacle, was thrown wide open. Two times here, we see in the book of Revelation this picture of a temple being in heaven. We have this picture of them looking inside heaven. They're seeing a temple. There's one in the Revelation 11. It even talks about uh, seeing the Ark of the Covenant um, inside. It, it was talking about the inside of a temple, uh, inside of heaven, alluding to rooms. There's, there's this picture of the writer here saying he looked inside heaven and they saw a temple. And they, they, thought they saw God's tabernacle inside of heaven. And... Uh, uh, some of you may be thinking, why did he go there? We're talking about the tabernacle of Moses that he built and all that thing. But why are we talking about this idea that there are things inside heaven? What does that have to do with the design for worship? Well, this brings me to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Well, here is the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle. Here again, he ministers inside the heavenly tabernacle, inside of heaven. The true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. In other words, there is a dwelling place not built by us. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest must make an offering too. If he were here on earth, he wouldn't even be a priest since there already are priests who offer the gifts required by the law. They serve in a system of worship, everyone say system of worship, that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern. I have shown you here on the mountain. We have these two references in Revelation of something of a tabernacle, a temple, inside the place of God, heaven. Inside the place where God dwells, heaven. And then in Hebrews, it's talking about the role of Jesus as our high priest in heaven, making, uh, making the offering for us and all these things. And it talks about how there's a tabernacle where God resides there. And then it says, when God told Moses, here's what I want to build here, I'm going to give you something, a tabernacle design, and I need you to build it exactly according to the pattern I have. Why? Because God says, I dwell here in heaven, but I want to dwell among you on the earth. And the only way that I can dwell on the earth is for you to create something that shadows what I dwell in in heaven. So he says, when I give you a design to build, I am very detailed and I am very specific because I can only dwell in a certain place that looks like my home in heaven. There 
is in fact a design for worship in which it operates at its maximum potential to host the presence of God. Every Saturday night, anyone serving here meets about 5.15 and, we're, and we've been praying and we, we mentioned three, well, I always ask the team to say three things we're believing for tonight. And one of the things that someone said, having no idea what my message was, it was presence. There is a specific design laid out for God to dwell in his maximum potential. In fact, <clears throat> we read last week that the people said, yes, we will build this and they were in one voice saying, we will do whatever we need to do. And then we left off where Moses went up on the mountain called the mountain of God, Mount Sinai, however you want to look at it. He goes up in the mountain and he stays with God for 40 days and 40 nights. He went up there for 40 days and 40 nights getting a design for the tabernacle that was a shadow of what the tabernacle in heaven looked like. Guys in the back, if y'all can put that AC up a little bit, I see people holding their shoulders like this. Just put it up to 70 if you don't mind. He says, I'm going up to the mountain of God and I'm getting a design from him so that he can dwell here on the earth. And during that time, God was speaking to Moses about the design of this dwelling place. In Ephesians 2, 6, we see that it says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in what? Heavenly realms, because we're united with Christ Jesus. In other words, in other words God dwells in heavenly realms. God dwells in heavenly places. That does not change when it comes to the earth. God says, I dwell in a heavenly realm, so in order for me to dwell among you, I need you to create something that looks like a shadow of what I dwell in, and that is called a heavenly place. Heavenly places. I'm giving you a design so that I can dwell amongst you in a place that looks like heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. He says, my entire point, to, it, it, my, my entire love story, if you will, is I sacrificed my son bef be before you were even born. I planned this out that he would pay for your sins so that I could dwell among you, so that I could be one with you. Because I had a dwelling place on the earth that looked like heaven called the Garden of Eden. You messed that up. You broke covenant with me. You separated yourself from me and now I am obsessed with getting back to that place and the only way that I can get back to a place where I dwell with my people is as if you create a lifestyle on this earth that looks like a heavenly place so I'm going to give you a design of where I can dwell so God says Moses I want to be with my people but I can only dwell in heavenly places so I'm going to show you a picture of a tabernacle in heaven, and I'm going to take 40 days to do it. I'm going to give you an exact design, and that's where I'm going to dwell. And in Exodus verse uh, chapter 25, before he even starts listing out the design, the first thing he starts doing is talking about get your people to bring offerings. And if you read on uh, through, through the rest of the book of Exodus, there's one point they bring so much offering that Moses had to say, stop, we got too much. We got enough. Chill out. 
I would love to be able to stand up here one day at Relentless during the tithe and offering time and say, could y'all please chill? We got too much. Can y'all imagine that day? That'd be crazy. Like, like no one has ever reached that place in, 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 in ever, except here in Exodus, in ever. He said, the first thing that I need to talk to you about is bringing offerings because the fact of the matter is, we need some stuff to build it according to my design. And I'm not, I don't want to get into this too much tonight, but I love the fact that even though sometimes we have over 100 people and sometimes we're in the low 40s or 50s, this church has never gone to a place where we have a horrible financial need. We're debt-free. All of you must be worshiping with your tithes and offerings because the amount that comes every week just does not make sense for the number of people that are in here. I love that. I love that. Good job. You're worshiping. But he says, we need some stuff to build according to this design because the design that God has is going to require a certain kind of stone, a certain kind of wood, a certain kind of fabric, a certain kind of color. He, he starts getting into clothing and talking about we need the clothing to look like this and the clothing to look like that. It's a very specific design that is going to cost some stuff. And let me tell you, some of you may be thinking that the, or have thought of in times that churches waste money on certain things, but let me tell you, I am the lead pastor of this church and before I started it, God gave me a specific design of how this was supposed to look and I'm telling you it ain't going to be cheap and I don't mean just in the physical stuff God gave me a specific design of how we're supposed to minister to the lost we ain't gone there yet but we're building to it God gave me a specific design of how worship is supposed to look God gave me a specific design about how the kids ministry is supposed to look God gave me a specific design about how the youth ministry is supposed to look. He gave me a specific design for everything, just as he gave Moses a specific design to say, I want you to go by this so I can dwell there. You know why Relentless looks different from other churches? Because if we weren't different, there would not be a different design to build for. If it didn't look different, we would actually be in rebellion to God because we could just go with another design. We were never meant to look like any other church in the area. So when people, so, so when people say, why aren't you growing? Well, it's very simple. We got a different design. We have church in the South where church is a service on Sundays. We did something crazy and didn't say we're going to offer something on Saturdays, but we're just going to have it on Saturdays. We're not going to have midweek. We're going to have groups. We're going to have all these things. We have a specific design. We have a vision to train people up and equip them to, 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 for ministry. Whether it's building a church or starting their, or not to just fulfill the vision of Relentless, but for us to come alongside you to push your vision forward for your life. There's a specific design that looks different. This, and why is it a design that looks different? Because God says, that's how I want to dwell right here. So start looking heavenly so I can start dwelling. Amen. Verse 1 of Exodus 25, the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings, accept the contributions from all those hearts are moved to offer them. It, it, it doesn't just say any offerings. It says they're most sacred. God deserves your most sacred offerings. He deserves your best. Not your second rate. 
He deserves your most precious. He deserves your best. He, he, he deserves you to be put out of your comfort. He deserves you to have to sacrifice some things that you hold dear to you. Well, Kyle, I work Monday through Friday and I need a night off. We all work Monday through Friday. What's so special about you? This is just not very convenient. God deserves our sacrifice of convenience. Just listen to costly worship again. I'm not going to get too much into it tonight. But he says, I want your most sacred offerings. <clears throat> and then a few verses later in verse 8, it says this. Had the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so that I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. Pattern, design. Over and over, there's a repetition. According to the pattern, according to the pattern. You got to do it like this. Bring the offering according to the pattern. And in the next four chapters of 25 through 28, we get extreme detail of the tabernacle. I encourage you to read it. It goes through the plans for the Ark of the Covenant, the table, the lampstand, the tabernacle, the altar, the courtyard, the lighting, the clothing for the priests, the, 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 the chest piece, the ephod, everything. He gives a specific design down to what kind of stones. What? And, and then on top of that, after he gives the design for all of these things for a tabernacle so that he can dwell on the earth in, in Exodus 29, it says this in verse 44. Yes, I'll consecrate the tabernacle and the altar. I'll consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. And then I'll live among the people of Israel and be their God. And they will know that I am the Lord their God. I am the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that, I, so, that, so that I could live among them. I am the Lord their God. He didn't bring them out of Egypt just to deliver them from slavery. God did not die for you just to deliver you from your sins. Jesus did not die for you just so that you could break your chains of addiction, break your chains of depression, break your chains of oppression, break your chains of whatever. He didn't just die for that. That is a benefit. He died not just so that you could be free, but so that he could live among you. And yet our lifestyles are making all these choices in this idea of God saying, I cannot dwell there because your life doesn't look like a heavenly tabernacle. I dwell in heavenly places. So when you start feeling like I'm not there, check the heaven that you have created. Heavenly places. If we would spend more time building the tabernacle of our homes just like the design of heaven, we would see less rebellion. We, we, we would see people falling under the conviction of Jesus and falling in love with him. 
But what we've done in this society is if we have put our footnotes on everything that God's given us saying it's a new day and it's a new age. Well, let me tell you something. It's a new day and it's a new age, but you can give me whatever new day you want. You can give me whatever fad you want. You can give me whatever kind of music you want. You can give me whatever kind of TV show you want. But this word remains the same. And he says, if you will build your tabernacle the place where you want me to dwell as I've designed it, you'll get the most of me. There is a design for worship. He says, worship me with your tithes and offerings first. He, right before the New Testament even started, the last thing he talks about is money in Malachi. And when he starts giving Moses instruction for building the tabernacle, the first thing he does is bring me your offering. Do not expect your tabernacle of a heavenly place to be at its potential if you are not worshiping God with your tithe and offering. And I know I talk about it all the time, but if God talks about it more than anything else, I think it's something deserving. He says, worship me on that first, and then start building. Not just because I die for you, but because I want to live among you. And the way I live among you is to build the tabernacle just like I designed it. The way I designed it is that there has to be a sacrifice for your sin. Even God has to honor his own design. That's why he had to send Jesus, the lamb that was slain. Because in his design, something had to be sacrificed. There's a design for worship. There was a design for his dwelling place. So God says, so he consecrates the tabernacle, he consecrates the priests, and he says, I'm giving you the design, the detailed supplies, the detailed pattern, and I'm going to consecrate it all for one purpose so that I can live with you. Why does he want to live with us so bad? You ever th think about that? Like, like, why is God so obsessed to live with his people? Why is God so obsessed? Like, like can't he just chill in heaven? Like, why does he want to get here so bad? Yet most denominations teach, you know, leave this world, we got to go to heaven. And God's like, well, I'm glad you're coming with me, but I want to, I want to get with you now. I want to live right here among you. Why? You know, you know that in 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles, the scripture tells us that even the heavens cannot contain God? God is so big that the eternity of heaven cannot contain him. So he builds the earth puts a governor over the earth called man and woman and says, live according to my plan so that I can dwell there because I'm too big for my own home. And he's so big and so vast that he says, I'm going to make my dwelling among you and every single one of you, you are going to be called a temple of the Holy Spirit. So I need you to build your temple according to my plan. And if you build your temple according to my plan, I'll be able to expand where I cannot contain myself. In other words, is this okay? God is so big that he needs every vessel on this earth so that he can get all of himself where he can't dwell in heaven. So that, that person that made you mad this week, that you just cussed under your breath, 
that person who you know is unsaved by what they do, God says, heaven cannot contain me. This earth can't even contain me. I need you to go after that lost one because I need more dwelling place. Can you go after your boss? Because I need more dwelling place. Can you go after your son? Can you go after your daughter? Because I need more dwelling place. Can you have that conversation with your friend that you don't want to have? Because I need more dwelling place. Build your temples according to my design so that I can dwell among you. This is good stuff. Design. It takes Moses for 40 days to give him a specific design. A shadow of a dwelling place in heaven. And that's what God wants for us to do. Create it. What's interesting, <coughs> these people are traveling all in the wilderness. And the tabernacle, <coughs> if you look in the design, and we're going to get into more specifics over the, over the coming weeks, but... The tabernacle at the time, it was designed to be portable because they didn't have one place to stay. And it was made out of different fabrics and wood. In fact, pretty much what it was was it was a tent that they could carry. It wasn't like a, like a Coleman, like, two-minute setup tent. I mean, they had to, you know, pick up wood and, and carry the fabric. And, and I mean, this, it, it, it was work. But they were willing to do whatever they needed to do so that they could have a place where God could dwell. Because remember, they were before Jesus. So God couldn't dwell in them because they were sinners. They were unclean. So they had to create a place to have God among them. Very important to them. They understood that they could not exist without his presence. And I think the Church of America needs to get a deeper revelation of this principle. That we cannot exist anymore without his presence. One of the biggest things going around right now in the news and the articles and the, the, the bills is all about the abortion. And these days, you are considered, you know, a, a religious old school person if you value life so much that you don't think it should be. America has gotten to a place where they have abandoned any principle of God because they want to make people feel better about the mistakes they make. When the fact of the matter is, our God says, come to me with whatever mistake you have, and I'll accept you as you are. And I will make it work for your good. We've abandoned everything. And can I just be real? I get sick and tired of seeing preachers and Christians get on Facebook and making these ramblings about, like, I can't believe our country done this, and I can't believe. Are you really that surprised? God cannot dwell anywhere but a heavenly place. If God is not in the government of America, it's because we have not created a place for him to dwell in it. And the funny thing is, God says, bless your enemies, and Christians think the way to make change happen is talk bad about our president. Now, I'm never going to get up in a pulpit and advocate for a president. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not doing it tonight. But my Bible says that every 
position of leadership is ordained by God. I don't care if you agree with his morals. I don't care if you think he's a hypocrite. Pray for that man and create a dwelling place in the government of America. Because the design for worship, the pattern for worship says, if you want me to dwell in your leader, I need you to love him as your leader. If you want me to dwell in Relentless Church, you need to honor your pastor even when he's a jerk. You need to honor that person sitting beside you that, you, that smells. You need to honor your husband. You need to honor your wife. We have got to get to a place where we put aside our stuff and say, I am creating a place for God to dwell among me among us, among you. And the way he dwells is I'm getting my temple in the design that he's created it to be. Amen? They were building this tent because they wanted to be in the midst of God. <coughs> they were making a place for him to dwell. They were pitching a tent for him. Check this out. John 1, 14. You know, most of you know the scripture. So the word became human and made his home among us. Some is translated, so the word became flesh. <clears throat> the word became human, made his dwelling among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. <clears throat> Kyle, what does that scripture have to do with the fact that they were building a tent for a tabernacle? If you go back to the ancient text, the words for made his home among us, you know what that word means? Pitch a tent. God says, the word became human and put a tent in the middle of our existence. Just as Moses was told by God, build a tent among the people. These words made his home among us, pitching that tent in the middle of us. Just as God gave Moses a design for God to dwell, God gave us a design for God to dwell. You know what that design is? Jesus is the design. He says, I have made my tabernacle, I have pitched a tent among my people, and here I am. So look to Jesus, and that's the design. That is the design of how I dwell in this earth. That is my perfect temple. And I want you to walk like him. I want you to talk like him. I want you to be like him. I, I, I want you to accept like him. I want you to speak like him. You know, we always paint this picture of Jesus being this lovey-dovey guy, but he was lovey-dovey, but he was also a very, a very bold and stern man when it came to this is false. He went inside the temple and threw tables over because it was such a, a mockery of God's house. You know how God's going to dwell in the church? There's been prophetic words over the past couple of years that as we get closer to the end, Houses of worship will look smaller and smaller. You want to know why? Because we're, I'm, not, I'm not talking about anything now necessarily. If you have one in mind, I don't care. Go for it. 
But the fact of the matter is, churches that are starting to grow huge are adopting principles that are not in the design for worship. It is not the design for worship to have 40,000 people in your church with 2,000 disciples. Want to know how I know? When Jesus had thousands coming to him wanting to hear him preach, he laid it down so thick that the rest of them left and there was only about 15 of them left. He didn't take a moment to say, well, the culture of this area says that I need to minister like this. No, he let heaven come out of him. If we're going to build a place for him to dwell, we have got to become temples who say we are not going to let compromise come out of us. We are not going to live in compromise. We are going to live in a place where God's design is everything we are because that is where his presence is hosted the most. He's the ghost with the most. <laughs> y'all, if y'all know that reference, don't worry about it. It's Beetlejuice. Don't, don't watch it. It's a horrible movie. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Beetlejuice is not in the design for worship. So, this design for the tent, they were camping in the desert. And this tabernacle was situated right in the center of the camp. In fact, there were 12 tribes all centered around where this tent was made. Why were they centered? Because in the design of worship, everything we do should be centered around his dwelling place. Everything we speak, everything we react to, everything should be centered around his presence. Because he is our picture of the dwelling place. 1 Peter 2.21, God called you to do good even if it means suffering, just as Christ has suffered for you. He is your example. You must follow in his steps. A life centered around Jesus looks simply like this. Not that you just call upon the name of Jesus all the time, but you walk in his footsteps. We have preached this watered-down gospel in the church where we say, come get saved, proclaim the name of Jesus, listen to music, you know, listen to Jesus' music, come to church, read your Bible for five minutes in the morning, and you're going to be good. But we have forsaken the living out of every step in every moment going where he wants us to go, responding how he wants us to respond. He says, that is my design. Jesus is your design. I had made him a certain way. He talked a certain way. He reacted a certain way. He, he, he walked among his people in a certain way. And if I'm going to dwell in you, I've got to dwell in a heavenly place. So your temple, which is you, needs to look like Jesus for him to have maximum dwelling. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul said it, as you should, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Parents, it is natural for your kids to imitate you. So are they imitating Christ as they imitate you? Because we love to say we need to get our kids in kids' church. But we shouldn't be having to fix the stuff they're imitating from mom and daddy. Y'all don't like me right now. Everyone, what are your friends imitating? We get around people 
And our talk change. Our talk changes. What we laugh at changes. We come to church and, and certain stuff offends us. We get around certain people and it makes us laugh with joy. I'm, I'm preaching. What is the design that people are imitating of you? What have they made up in their minds is okay because they saw a Christ follower doing it? Because you're giving an example of what you claim God's design is for them to follow. And then you wonder when you take a relentless card and you say, come to church, they say, no, I don't need that. Because your life gives them nothing to make them hope for something that they don't have. You know the best way to get someone to come to Relentless, to, to come to the house of God, is when you invite them, there is something about you that they feel like they've got to figure out. There's something about your praise. There's something about the way you talk to them. There's something about the way you encourage them. There is something that they can't put their finger on because it is a spirit of God that they have never met. Because their temple cannot hold God because they are not designed for it. The only way they can get designed to host the presence of God that you have is to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, here I am. I accept you as mine, and I am dying to myself, and I am living in this new design. Hmm. Speaking of God being at the center of everything we do, <clears throat> is this all right? Moses is up in this mountain for 40 days getting this design for the dwelling place of God. And in the middle of the 40 days, the people start getting antsy. And they start saying, where's Moses? Where's our leader? We need to know what God wants us to do. What's going on? So they, they look to Aaron and say, hey, man. God ain't talking to us, he's talking to Moses, Moses ain't come back. We need to build a God, we need to, we need to erect something that we can follow. <clears throat> so you know what they built? They built a golden calf. They built the golden calf because they needed something to follow. You want to know why? In the absence of their leader, they built a golden calf because they took their eyes off of what they should have had their eyes on. And we do it all the time. We look to Pastor Kyle. What's he going to do next? What is he going to teach me this week? And, and our eyes are on pastors and our eyes are on even parents. <laughs> our eyes are on all these things. And God says, the way I want to dwell in your problem is fix your eyes on me. If you fix your eyes on me, you will have no need to build another idol. You will have no need to find an, an, another, another place to follow. You need to follow me, and the way you follow me is by fixing your eyes on the design that you are supposed to look like. You know what it comes down to? Falling in love with Jesus all over again. You ever remember that one time when you first come to know him and you were overcome with his love, you were overcome with his acceptance, you were overcome with his forgiveness? That is the design that you are supposed to look like. Can I, it's a smaller crowd, so can I get like really personal? Say, say, bring it. 
Can, can I bring it? Bring Good. it. I am a man. And someone just got excommunicated from the church. And even though I'm a pastor, sometimes I don't do things right. Sometimes I say some things a little harsh and I don't mean it. And so do you. But in me getting real, the last thing that I need, church, is you holding bitterness against me because important you got so mad that perfection Pastor Kyle messed up. You know why I shouldn't have to worry about it? Because the design you should be living in should be full of forgiveness. I can't tell you how many times I've got to forgive the people I walk with every day because they know not what they... You know how God's going to dwell at Relentless? When we get so in the design of God that nothing you say to me is ever going to offend me that nothing I say to you is going to offend you because we look like him so much that the only thing we care about is that we're brothers and sisters who seek him. You know why? Because that's the design for the temple. That's the design for the dwelling place. That is the design for worship. Our lives, the way we live, is worship to our God. Everything we do is worship to our God. The way we accept people, the way we forgive people, the way we look at people, the way we minister to each other. Everything we do. The way we respond to our boss at work when they're jerks. The way we handle our employees. the way we forgive family members who do not deserve the forgiveness. Everything. God says it's really simple. You design a place for me, I'll dwell. It got so bad in the middle of this golden calf story that Moses had to come. I'm not going to read it. Moses had to come down off the mountain and said, all right, who's worshiping God? Who's worshiping this calf? And there was a certain number that came with Moses. Actually, can I read it? Let me just read this really quick. Exodus 32, 26. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and shouted, all of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around them. Moses told them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Each of you take your swords, go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other, kill everyone, even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. The Levites obeyed, and about 3,000 people died that day. And then the Moses told the Levites, today you've ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord. For you obeyed him even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today you've earned a blessing. Now can you believe that? Because God says, in order for me to dwell in that place, there can't be compromise. And you say, wow, 
why, would, would God call us to do such a thing? Well, let's read Luke 14. A large crowd was following Jesus, and he turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life, otherwise you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now, does that mean go hate your brother and go hate your sister and go hate your mom and hate your dad and hate you? No, no, no. He's saying, are you willing to live in such a design in your temple for me that no one ever affects the way you live, even if it means offending what they believe? Jesus, I love you so much that no matter who I'm around, my designs are going to look like you. Even if I'm around my best friend who doesn't believe the same things I believe, I'm not changing my design based off of who I'm around. Whether it's my mom, whether it's my dad, whether it's my brother, whether it's my sister, whether it's my wife, whether it's my children, I am going to do whatever I need to do to look like you, Jesus. That's the cost of a disciple. And is, it is the design for worship. Your life of worship should look like Jesus, the one who came down and pitched the tent of a tabernacle in the midst of us and said, this is who I am. And this is what the dwelling place of God looks like. This is what a heavenly temple looks like. And then he says, I'm going and I'm going to send a helper to you that will live in you called the Holy Spirit. Because when I leave, it's no longer you just looking at me, but I'm going to reside in you. So it's no longer just one place that people look to for God. It's they look to all these different places for God. Well, what are all the places? Is it relentless? Is it the light? Is it compassion? Is it, what? Well, where are all the places? No, no, no. It's Amy. It's Maria. It's Mike. It's Jonathan. It's Ryan. It's George. It's Linda. It's Mary. It's Leah. It's Evan. You are now the temple that people should be looking to to get the presence of God. And the only way the presence of God can be in your life to the most full capacity is when you say, I'm going to build my life on a firm foundation in the design that God would have me live it by. So I'm going to forsake everything that this world tells me and I'm going to live for my God. The design is not just come to church. It's fix your eyes on him so that you can become the dwelling place of God. As we stand, I want to close with two verses in Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially sin that so easily trips us up. Let me just stop right there. We love to focus on this passage, on, this, on the weight. He says, not only do you strip off the heavy things in your life, and you know what your heavy things are. You know what I'm talking about? The heavy things that you can't seem to get out of? We all got heavy things. He says, don't only strip off that weight. Especially take care of sin that so easily trips us up. 
little lies, the gossip, the, the, the backbiting, the bitterness. He so easily trips us up that we forget we're even in it. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Verse 2. Well, how do we do that? We do it by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. If the way believers strip off the weight of sin is to fix our eyes on Jesus, what is the hope of the world stripping off their weight? I want you to imagine in this room that there's tons of unbelievers in here. The way we operate We fix our eyes on Jesus to get all of our stuff off. But they don't know who Jesus is. So just like when Moses was building a tabernacle for people to look at, the way for unbelievers to see Jesus is they've got to do the same thing. They've got to fix their eyes on a tabernacle. And what we think in the world is the tabernacle is relentless church. And it's partly true, but it's not the organization that is called Relentless. The tabernacle that they need to focus on for their weight to be stripped off is the 60 or 70 temples standing in this room. And when they fix their eyes on the temple of you, they will get a glimpse of a God dwelling in a heavenly place. And the reason he dwells in the heavenly place called you is because you said, I'm going to embrace this design for worship. I'm going to live a certain way. I'm going to follow these laws. And when I say laws, I don't mean you got to do this because you go to heaven or hell. Throw out the idea of, is this going to send me to hell? You need to be asking the question, is this going to cause me to grow closer to my father? It's no longer will this send me to hell. It's does this prevent me from seeking Are y'all? Why? You're saved. Hell is no longer a worry for you. So stop focusing on, oh my gosh, is this going to send me to hell? No. Is this going to separate you from an intimate relationship with your God that you're claiming you're living a life in such a way that is designed to let him dwell? When we start living by his design, getting in this book, living like it tells us to live because it is the word of God, breathe the breath of God on the page. When we start doing that as a corporate body, the presence of God will be so thick that nothing can contain it. And that's when we're going to see a day where Savannah, Georgia will fall on its knees in complete adoration and love with the one true God. Lord, we thank you so much for this message. I pray that as we leave this place, we become a people who walk in your design. That we will become temples where you can can rest in. That when people see us, they no longer see Kyle. They no longer see Jacob. They no longer see Pee Wee. They no longer see 
tailor and they would just see you. We give ourselves to you tonight and we give our lives over to your desire.